This is Gang Alley Media, where faith, family, and pop culture collide like a bloody train wreck. Hey everybody, this is kind of a greatest hits bonus episode of, huh, podcast. This was an interview we did last year with my buddy Ralph. You may remember it. Um, Pardon the audio, we were doing this on the phone. This is before, you know, Zoom and all that. So, you know, it's great content, but the audio is a little messed. I tried to, you know, tweak it, make it sound a bit better. So, that's what we got. Go back, still listen to uh, the past episode if you haven't yet. Um, And coming forward, we'll be on our regular schedule. Alright, we got a fun holiday episode coming up. We're going to be talking about holiday traditions and specials and food and movies and the things that gave you the ting, you know. The holiday tingles, if you will. <laughs> so, hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, join the conversation, and let me know your favorite traditions. Alright guys, be decent to each other. Peace. Okay, everybody, this is a fun one. Uh, Michelle and I had the honor of sitting down with one of my oldest friends, Ralph Lambiasi. I've known this guy since kindergarten. He's a great guy. Um, He's a fantastic artist. He has a workshop called the Evocative Workshop. Um, We sit down, we talk about horror movies and growing up together, and we even get pretty in-depth spiritually. Um, this is one that you want to buckle up for. Enjoy. Okay, everybody. I have one of my oldest friends in the world, Ralph Lambiasi here. Um, Ralph, say hello. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> and yeah, Ralph and I go back 1979, kindergarten? Yeah, so, somewhere in there. Yeah, I guess yeah. it would be 79. Did we do, we didn't do preschool together? No, I never did preschool. Oh, okay, I'm just making sure. No, yeah. So, yeah, but yeah. Yeah, so, Davison Avenue... Uh, Ms. Waldron's class, 1979. Yep. Yep. All right, so you two were in the same... assistant, Mrs. I'm sorry. No. So you two were in the same grade together. Yeah. All right, so I was in the same grade as the both of you. I was just further out on the island then. Right. Uh, 
Okay. Yeah. Very cool. And, man. <laughs> Here we are. Yeah. And, Ralph, I, I mean, I remember, I've got weird memories. Like, I, I'm surprised at some of the weird things I remember. And, like, going to your house and stuff. Like, I remember in, uh, like, going to your house and you had, like, a, a, a 3D, like, Superman, like, comic book or something like that. Um, okay, yeah. I remember, you know, hanging out and playing, like, with your, like, you had the, uh, Death Star with, like, the, uh, yeah. trash compactor with the little foamy things in it and stuff like that. Yep, yep. You know? And, uh, like, at Halloween time, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone would be, have, like, these cheap costumes, you know? Like, you know, the ones that you would buy from Woolworth, you know? And, like, Ralph would come in, like, dressed like a wizard. Or something. <laughs> I mean, it was like, you know. Not he, one of those ones where the little eyes were cut out and it was a thin little plastic mask that you would well, put over. I had those. I actually had those too. I mean, there was <laughs> one year that Alien came out mm-hmm. and uh, I had to desperately be, you know, be Alien. And mm-hmm. even though it terrified the actual movie, like, even though I didn't see the full movie, it terrified me. Mm-hmm. Um, but. I had to become that thing. I don't know, just so weird and obtuse, and uh, I just, you know, I, I. That was one of the years that I got. I, I think it was the. Uh, oh, what was the name of that company? Cooper. Um, the, the Cooper uh, Halloween uh, uh, outfits, where it was like a vinyl. Yeah, like the bib in the. Mask? Yeah, it yeah. Was, it was like a vinyl jumper or something like that, and like a, <laughs> that plastic mask, like you said, with the eyes cut out, and it was the the alien like face. You know, mm-hmm. it's just it looks so bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's okay. I remember one year I was a strawberry. Yes, Whoa. A strawberry. <laughs> that's pretty hardcore. <laughs> right. Actually, I thought the core is squishy in a strawberry. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> But uh, where were we going with this? Yeah, so yeah my, my mom actually used to make those costumes, mm-hmm. and uh, she made them all the way up into like high school. Yeah, for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, my dad, my dad and I uh, actually had a mask collection. It was my dad's mask collection, and then and, you know we would start buying stuff together and and stuff like that. And he was into makeup, mm-hmm. so that was the makeup side. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, just the two kind of kind of came together in some of my theatricality and artsiness, I guess, growing up. Right. Yeah. And, I mean, I remember even, like, in middle school, like, you had, like, this motorized hand thing. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Ralph would, like, put it on the stairs, like, of the stage in the auditorium, and it would just sit there and, like, move fingers around and, like, freak people out and stuff. <laughs> it was pretty darn funny. But, yeah, yeah, that was yeah. pretty cool. But, yeah, I mean, and we were in place together and all that. So, so your, your love of makeup and all that, that came from your dad, you said. Well, it, it you know, it's, it's kind of both. I mean, I just love movies and, uh, trying to think what the first movie I saw. I think the first movie I saw was Jaws mm-hmm. uh, with my, my parents. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, 
they recall me sitting there watching the movie intently and uh, just really laughing my butt off at people getting (laughs) (laughs) like that. So, uh, but yeah, like all of that kind of came into play. I mean, you know, in as much as, you know, my my love for movies, I mean, for me, like, you know, the characters and the, the sets and the makeup and all of that stuff is, is I always look at movies in a cohesive way in that respect. Right. Uh, you know what I mean? So I'm not just one of these guys who's just like, Oh, you know, you know, I like this movie, you know, and it's, you know, it, there's only one redeeming quality about it. You know what I mean? I mean, I usually can find one redeeming quality in most movies, but, um, but yeah, you know, that that's that's really kind of like I I come to makeup. Um, oh, and I don't know if your listeners know I'm a special effects makeup artist. Yeah. Um, so I I come to that. Um, you know, kind of with that kind of holistic kind of idea of telling a story and making characters real. So that's kind of just my my thing. Right. And um, so you would um, after high school. Because I know you were big in the drawing and, and art, and you designed like the uh, the cover of our what would you have called that the emotion emotion uh, magazine our literary magazine yeah you know you would design the cover of that and you were drawing like these intense like orc pictures and stuff like that like right. you know in like eleventh grade twelfth grade you know and I know you're yeah. doing it earlier than that, but these are the things that I remember. Um, so, and after high school, you, you studied in, in Pittsburgh, right? Did you go? Yeah, I went to the Art Institute of Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. basically like either four or six days out of graduation from Malvern. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Malvern High School, that is. And, um, yeah, I, I went out there, uh, it was kind of interesting because I was already taking, uh, you know, some uh, college classes while, while I was going to uh, Auburn High School. I actually studied at St. John's University, and um, and that was for art and stuff like that. So I was kind of honing, you know, kind of what I wanted to do and kind of what I loved. Um, but it's funny, you know, I kind of, my whole thing on where I kind of wanted to go with the effect stuff was actually to become a better director, mm-hmm. which is kind of funny. And, uh, because I was like, you know, these are the films that I love, you know, I look, look back on, you know, the fantasy type of films and like, you know, you said I was drawing orcs and stuff like that. So, I mean, Frank Frazetta as an artist was a huge influence on me. And, uh, I actually got to meet his wife at a, at a young age. I think I was 14. And, uh, she said, you know, whatever you want, you should come back and, you know, I'll bring up to the house and meet Frank. And I never, never took her up on it. So, uh, <laughs> kind of oh. kicking myself for that yeah. one. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so all that stuff, you know, I was into the Jim Henson stuff, uh, you know, the, all the puppets and all that, that great stuff. And, and also, you know, I, I, I think, you know, like King Kong and stuff like that. My dad used to have like some, like the making of King Kong, uh, a book that I would read through and. You know, so all of this stuff like was distilled, and then when I got into, you know, when I was looking for a, a you know post secondary education, I was basically I looked at um, this 
specifically this one program that they had at the Art Institute of Pittsburgh, which was uh, industrial design technology. But it was basically, you know, it incorporated actually a lot of special effects stuff, which a lot of other schools didn't even touch at that time. Mm-hmm. And it was taught by, you know, people who had actually worked in the field. And, um, you know, so you had uh, people who worked with, like, Tom Savini. Oh, that was another thing. Uh, Tom Savini was a, uh, uh, how do they put it? A, uh, uh, he was an advisor, an academic advisor mm-hmm. to the program. And uh, which, you know, for all intents and purposes uh, at that time, you know, I think he may have, kind of set some groundwork with uh, a couple of, uh, you know, the, the administrators there. But, I mean, he wasn't really a, a, a presence on, you know, at the school. Right. And, uh, but, so it was kind of, but it was kind of cool in that respect. That, but I, I kind of felt like that was kind of a little underhanded by the school uh-huh. to kind of use. They had, like, a picture of Tom Savini, like, doing, like, a critique of, like, students' work and stuff like that, which mm-hmm. that never happened for me. <laughs> so right. It was, was kind of funny. Mm-hmm. But I did get to meet Tom, actually, mm-hmm. and he, he invited us out, uh, some friends of mine, and I got to tag along, actually, uh, to uh, his workshop down in the Strip District that was in the late 80s. Uh, no, late, late, early, I'm sorry. It was in the... Late '80s. It was, that's impossible since I went to school at, in '92 mm-hmm. to '94. There, mm-hmm. uh, so I think it was right right around '94 is when uh, we all went to his shop. It was pretty cool. Mm. I'm so sorry. You, I'm, I'm, yeah, no, 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 no. no, no. <laughs> so basically, you knew you knew really early what direction you were going to head in for work. Then, um, I guess yeah. I mean, I wanted to do something creative. Uh, utilizing some artistic talent and, uh, and, you know, tell some cool stories, you know, and that's, I get to tell them currently, you know, through the actual character makeups that I do and, right. and whatever puppets and other art that I get to, uh, to, uh, create. Right. And I remember, uh, you, you had also, uh, worked with, uh, Viewerskew on a few projects. Yeah, so it's funny. Um, one of the f- the first uh, movies I worked on, I actually wound up keying. Um, as far as like an actual full on feature, like I was doing commercial work after um, after the Art Institute, I came back to New York. I was doing you know different commercials and stuff like that, and uh, and then I kind of I was like you know it, it was so difficult to crack the um, the work environment here, um, <laughs> which I am actually, you know, in New York again now. Um, but uh, it's it's kind of interesting because with all that, you know, trying to bop around and freelance and do all this stuff, um, like I said, it was really difficult. And I I think also. For me at that time, my age, you know, I was, you know, my twenties, and so I was like, you know what? I, I was a little frustrated. I said, let me go back to school, um, and um, and then I remember being at this one, you know, I think it was SUNY Old Westbury, which uh, had a very
very mixed uh, time. I had some good good times and some not great times there. I, I think the uh, the overall academic environment was kind of oppressive and a little weird. Um, a lot of hoops to jump through with uh, red tape and you know trying to get them to approve credits of stuff that I had already done, basically, um, which is kind of funny. I took like a a course load of like twenty two credits, and then they you know I had to go and file this petition to you know after the fact so that they would ex- actually accept my credits that I just did a semester's worth of work and you know I carried a you know like an A average or something like that you know the first semester at any rate but um you know it's interesting like that summer um after the second semester I was, you know, I want to work with Kevin Smith because I saw his movie Chasing Amy, which I thought was pretty provocative. Um, right. It's, uh, you know, it deals with, uh, with, you know, certain topics of like growing up, emotionally maturing as a as an individual, and also, of course, uh, Amy, the Chasing Amy aspect of it is that this this uh, protagonist kind of chases after this girl. Uh, whose, whose name is not Amy, but right. uh, <laughs> basically, if anybody knows the, the, the story of it, um, she is a uh, quote-unquote homosexual uh, woman who, you know, falls, and they, they basically wind up falling in love with one another. So, a man and a woman. And, and I thought it was really interesting because it approached um, the, uh, the the kind of ideas that you know, like this kind of learned kind of sort of like, you know, like I think we, we tend to learn our sexuality in, in a certain sense. And, you know, based on what I mean, what I what I feel is, uh, you know, I, I'm a Christian, so I have a very kind of set, you know, understanding of uh you know that I, I believe that um, you know we're made men and men and women, and you know that's kind of the natural order of things is that we should be together as men and women. Mm-hmm. But I thought that the way that Kevin approached it, this this particular uh, movie, was very uh, humane and very humanistic. Uh, well, not humanistic in in a, in a worldview sense, but um, I think he just dealt with people kind of where they're at. Right. And, um, you know, where, you know, we choose who we love, you know, in a certain sense, we, we, and this is at a time where this is, I mean, this was what mid, mid nineties when this came out. I mean, so this was a completely, I mean, this was provocative, this film, I mean, as far as the subject matter, you know? So I mean, it was it was brave at that point to to oh, touch absolutely. on that subject matter like that. Yeah, it's it's interesting because <laughs> I think it's it was brave, but it was also tragic because I think people kind of fit back into their narrow roles of of and and their kind of human foibles, and uh, you know that really kind of hit with you know with me. And then I was like, you know, let me let me go. You know, I really want to work with this guy. And then a buddy of mine out of the blue was like, hey, you know what? Why don't we go take a trip down to uh, to Red Bank? 
he's like, yeah, we'll just, you know, check out some of this because we're both big fans of clerks and, you know, um, and chasing Amy at that point. And, uh, we took a look around and, uh, you know, different, you know, places and wound up, uh, at one point meeting Kevin hmm. and, um, and it was the weirdest thing because it wasn't in any of the places that we thought, you know, we would actually see Kevin, which is kind of funny. But, uh, yeah, we basically, we went down to like the, the quick stop, which is, uh, you know, the, right. the, the little, uh, what do you call it? Convenience store that's in, uh, clerks. Right. And then, uh, then we actually went down into Red Bank, um, and went to Jay and Silent Bob's Secret Stash, which is their comic book store. Mm-hmm. And who's working behind the counter but Jason Muse. Right. And uh, I was like, hey, uh, hey, Jay, I just want to you know, say that you know, I dig your work in the, in the movies and everything like that. He's like, oh, yeah, man, cool, cool. And that was <laughs> basically how he was uh, talking at the time. I'm like, wow, this is kind of funny. It's like, it's like Jay is Jay, you know, <laughs> at that point. Right, and uh, you know he's playing, playing himself or playing the character, and it's just just kind of an interesting overlap. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, I, I was like, hey, you know, I'd like to actually see if you guys have anything going on. And he's like, oh man, you have to ask, uh, you have to ask moves about that, which he was calling Kevin at the time. That was his nickname for him. And he says, yeah, Kevin's up at the office, and he told me where to go. And I went up there, and it was just like crawling with people. Um, they were actually prepping for a couple of movies that were being shot that summer and, uh, not, not actually, uh, written or directed by Kevin per se, but, uh, it was a couple of his friends got the chance to, uh, to make their films. And, um, you know, I went up there and Kevin, you know, I guess he was too busy or something or something, there was something weird where we weren't able to see him. And we were like, okay, you know, we just, we figured we'd give it a shot. We left. Um, and I forgot to mention that while we were at the quick stop, we saw a little poster, like a little flyer that was put up that said uh, Brian O'Halloran and, um, and other members of the, of the uh, you know, the USQ family, so to speak, were in a production of Godspell that was going to be shown in Sandy Hook that day. Right. And Brian so O'Halloran, of course, played Dante. Yes, he plays Dante, the uh, right. the protagonist in Clerks. Mm-hmm. So it was him. It was uh, Patrick, it was uh, uh, Diana Devlin, um, and yeah, we just uh, so my friend and I we we went to uh, to go see the Sandy Hook presentation of Godspell, and it was at at intermission that we went to go get grab something to drink, my friend and I, and. Uh, and I said, son of a gun, there he is. There's Kevin. And so I went over to Kevin, and Kevin caught me, made eye contact, and extended his hand to me oh. like for a handshake. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was, that was a pretty, pretty cool deal, yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, I talked to him, and uh, I said, you know, I'm a special effects makeup artist, so on and so forth. I enjoy your work. Uh, I'd like to know if you, you guys need any help, you know, like to apply. And, um, he said, oh, well, you're going to have to talk to my, uh, my producer for that. So he 
pointed me over to, to Scott, Scott Mosier. Mm-hmm. And I went over to Scott and I said, hey, you know, I'm a special effects makeup artist, you know, uh, looking to see if you, you know, need any uh, help. And Scott's like, no, nope, uh, I don't think so. Not, not with special effects makeup or anything. And I said, well, I also do storyboards and, you know, I kind of listed a couple of other things. And he says, really, storyboards? So he kind of keyed in on that and they wound up hiring me for storyboards uh, on Vulgar, mm-hmm. which is a um, pretty infamous uh, <laughs> uh, film uh, in the Viewskew camp. It was uh, written, written and directed by uh, Brian Johnson. And uh, that was my first uh, taste of Skew, and uh, it was definitely, definitely an interesting film. Um, and you also had a small role in Vulgar, too, didn't you? Yeah, I play a, a it's funny, I play a, cl- a clumsy cop mm-hmm. who, uh, really, really short, little, little cameo there, but yeah, I, I knock into a trash can and almost mess up this uh, hostage situation. <laughs> yeah, it's good times. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and then it's funny, but they they kept me on to. So I did special effects makeup on that. I, um, after I did the uh, the storyboards, they're like, "Yeah, you know, we we could probably use somebody." So I, I had the uh, the uh, you know the task of basically bloodying up and bruising up uh, Brian O'Halloran, who gets a pretty severe beating in the uh, in the film. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got to know him, and you know his uh, his girlfriend uh, uh, Diana, and Paris Petrick was the uh, the key hair and makeup artist on that. So these are people who had worked, you know, in the in the USQ camp, you know, with other productions. So it was kind of nice. Uh, and you know, I did some other stuff. I and there's uh, from that point they they did the second film. Uh, and I actually did key hair and makeup on that film. Um, I guess Paris wasn't able to to commit to that one, so uh, I got to kind of step into that role. That was that was cool. And uh, Tony Man Mandeel was the special effects makeup artist on that one. Mm-hmm. It was a, it was a good uh, it was a good summer, you know. Yeah. It was, uh, I want to say it was like you know three months of doing some crazy stuff, running back and forth from Long Island to to Jersey, um, sometimes staying in Jersey and, you know, camping out on, you know, uh, basically on set sometimes and other times, uh, you know, you know, we would like go back to, you know, Scott would offer like, you know, a shower or something like that and, you know, kind of catch a shower and get back to set. And it was, uh, it was crazy. It was good. Yeah. Okay. So, but uh, I don't know where, where were we. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just sitting enjoying the story. That's all. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Okay, so, and and you had mentioned before your your Christian faith, and um, yes, but also your love for uh, genre films, horror films stuff like that, um, and I know you've worked, uh, on some pretty, uh, let's say, some pretty hard-hitting films, like, you, you've worked with, uh, 
Craig Zeller too, didn't you? Um, well, that's a thing. Well, so, on a Craig Zeller film. <laughs> yes, yes, I did. Um, so, of which I'm not credited on, which is a little disappointing. But uh, yeah, I, I stepped in and helped out uh, a couple of uh, makeup artists on that film. Mm-hmm. Who, uh, unfortunately, I have no screen credit or. Uh, I got paid cash on, <laughs> but yeah, we, we created some, uh, some interesting effects on, on it. Um, so there's a, uh, a, a, a rig basically where, uh, it's Vince Vaughn is the protagonist in that one. That was fairly recent. And, um, you know, he kind of steps on the back of somebody's head. <laughs> mm. It's a very violent film, very violent, but, it's, you know, uh, it's it's interesting because I definitely have turned down work as a Christian, getting back to that real quick. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, violence is one thing. Um, the, uh, the intention behind it and the story and the characters behind it, I think, are something that really needs to be looked at. Mm-hmm. when uh, kind of stepping into those waters. On this particular film, I didn't really get a chance to check anything out prior, which is usually, yeah, I mean, if it's my film that I'm working on, or, you, know, I'm, you know, I always try to kind of kind of vet that and uh, make sure that, you know, I filter everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, but this, I mean, it, it kind of worked out that, you know, it was an interesting kind of revenge kind of film. And... Uh, if you kind of take it at that, at face value, it's, you know, you can sort of see where, you know, live by the sword, die by the sword, you know, kind of an idea is, uh, is kind of propagated there. Right. I and mean... Then, uh, uh, the problems uh, that, that it brings, you know. Yeah, I mean, the, I think Vince's character was, I mean was a bad guy previously, was trying to be a good guy, and was brought into a bad situation. Right, right. Which, uh, that's kind of life. You know, I think all of us are kind of the heroes of our own story to begin with, but sometimes crap happens. Right, right. You know, so, yeah, I I, I feel you on that one. Yeah, so it's, I mean, it's interesting. Thankfully, it turned out to be a, a good project. You know, I, it would have been nice to have my, my name on that one because I, I, I actually really like that movie. I think it's actually better than uh, than uh, Zoller's uh, previous, which is Bone Tomahawk. Yeah. Yeah, I think it, it you know, for me anyway, it, uh, was, it was a better film. And better than Puppet Master. <laughs> How about that? That's right. <laughs> oh man! So, yeah. what are you uh, what are you working on now? I know you you've got some pretty uh, big things coming up. Or well, yeah, I've got. Um, so it's interesting. I, I I did a couple of films last year. Well, I did a few films last year, but two of them actually made it uh, into Tribeca Film Festival, mm-hmm. and that was uh, Low Tide, <coughs> uh, and that stars. Uh, Jaden Martell, uh, who used to be, uh, well, well, he is, I should say, the, the young um, Bill Denbro from uh, Stephen King's It that was uh, remade. Yes. 
So he's he's one of the protagonists in that story. Um, it's a great film. I'm really, really, really happy with it. And um, yeah, if anybody can go see that, Low Tide is definitely the film to check out. Um, it's a, kind of like this coming of age uh, slash uh, crime uh, story about four four boys who basically. Uh, you know, they, they basically bump, you know, kind of, they, they break into houses and, you know, in the, like the Jersey shore kind of area. And they, uh, you know, just do what, what unruly crazy kids do, right. you know, steal stuff, you know, they get involved. this one character really falls in love with this one girl. And it's, it's just, this really nice mix of, of a whole bunch of different elements. It, it gets a little violent, um, but it's definitely a, a cautionary tale in, in a lot of respects, which is which is good stuff. Um, and the other one is called Blow the Man Down, mm-hmm. which is um, it's uh, basically uh, how to put it. It's another crime. Mm-hmm. <laughs> crime uh, drama uh, about um, kind of like the like the inner workings of a of a uh, of a main coastal uh, like seafaring town and uh, what some of the women do there to survive and kind of sets it all up with uh, you know sets this kind of drama up around this crime that actually happens there. And, uh, so it's pretty, uh, pretty cool too. I mean, it's, uh, they're both great, I think great films. And uh, I was really happy to work on both of them. Um, and, uh, let's see what else. Um, well just currently, uh, I finished up some work on, uh, doing prosthetics and tattoos for Al Pacino. Oh, uh, for an Amazon series uh, called The Hunt. Hmm. And uh, it was hired by John Caglione Jr. And uh, very thankful for having worked on that film. Wow. Uh, the whole series, I should say. It's the first time that Pacino's actually doing a running series. Yeah. Which is pretty neat. Wow. And, and what was that like? Um, well, I, I basically did most of the, the work behind the scenes. I did a lot of the shop work. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I didn't really go to set on that one, but, um, it was, uh, it was interesting. It was a, definitely an eye opener working, uh, you know, alongside somebody, uh, like, uh, John Caglione Jr., mm-hmm. uh, who's an Oscar winner and an Emmy winner. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, I think it's going to be a very interesting, uh, you know, series. It's, uh. Basically, Pacino plays um, uh, an individual. Uh, I, I guess he's a con- the best way to say it's a, he's a you know concentration camp survivor. Okay. Uh, along along with uh, he falls in like thirty years after the fact in ni- uh, New York City, nineteen seventy seven. Um, he falls in with a bunch of uh, other survivors and or. If I if I recall correctly, um, you know, people who have 
descended from concentration camp survivors and they kind of have to do sort of battle with uh, with their past, let's say. I don't mm. want to reveal too much. Right. But um, but I, I think that's the best way to describe it at the moment. <laughs> Sounds interesting. Yeah, this is something we yeah. haven't we'll heard keep, of. Keep an eye out for. This is the scoop, folks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, uh, executive produced by Jordan Peele. So, oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Great. So that should be pretty neat. And uh, We've actually done an episode. Yeah, we did a pure centric episode <laughs> on, really, on right. us and uh, and get, get out. Get out. So. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I for me, I liked Get Out yeah. quite a bit. Us, uh, you know, it was interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm not not sure. Like, I I fully uh, enjoyed it as much. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what I guess I'll have to to listen to the podcast. To get your opinions of that. Yeah, we so. we, we kind of, I think we do a good job of yeah. analyzing it. You know, we don't we don't narrate it or break it down, but we do analyze it mm-hmm. on there. So, let me ask you, um, in horror, what, what, what scares you? What do you, what hits you in the, in the feels? Mm. Um, Especially being someone who is kind of, you know, seeing the man behind the curtain, per se. Right. Well, I, you know, <laughs> for me, number like, what, what makes horror effective yeah. for me? Mm. Well, okay, a couple of things. Um, number one, I have to have characters I like mm-hmm. in a film. I think a lot of uh, a lot of characters uh, aren't really fully fleshed out, or, or you don't really have a sense of that kind of normalcy mm-hmm. in some characters. And I think right off the bat, that can be kind of like you, you mentally distance yourself from those characters in certain films. Uh, um, and so I, I like to. You know, if I'm going to get a scare, I have to identify with the characters a little bit. Um, I mean, that makes total sense. And then on top of that, I'm sorry? I said that makes total sense. Yeah, yeah. It's it's funny because a lot, I've seen a lot of films now that are done like in a weird, like, oh, I hate, I hate to say it, but like there's the A24 curse. Mm-hmm. It, that's what I like to call it, where these studios kind of put like style above substance. Yeah. And I don't know, like, like a lot of these films don't like really do much for me. Like, and I, I hate to say it, but if I feel like they they put some style over um, the actual substance of those characters and everything else. One film that I thought was was uh, pretty cool that actually broke that that A twenty four mold. And when I, when I say A twenty four, is I'm referring to the studio. Yeah, I kind of put some of these these films out. Uh, I like The Witch. Yes. But I, I felt, I, I like that, um, you know, I sort of cared about some of the characters, like the daughter and all that stuff. And, um, and like, where's the baby? And, you know, we find, you know, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. So yeah. no, no spoilers. Um, 
But, um, yeah, so that's that's number one. Number two, there has to be a creep-out factor mm-hmm. to me. Um, the jump scares and stuff like that are okay, but, you know, that's the kind of horror that kind of goes away. Yeah. You know, and if you're going to have an effective moving horror film, I think it has to resonate on some sort of morality that's really been encroached upon. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Yeah, so I think that's more effective to me. And to know that there's some sort of lurking, you know, evil, so to speak. Right. That, you know, I think a lot of... uh, Sometimes um, knowing that there's like a a sort of gray area to work in, um, I think is can give a more high higher creep factor than if we're doing polarized oh this is good this is evil because you don't the one thing that that creeps me out is to have the protagonist who's you know essentially a good character or whatever kind of fall into those like actually taking the evil upon themselves and that that I think freaks me out uh-huh. but um so, I don't know. I guess, does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You want me to expound on it? Yeah. And, and, you know, going back to the A24 thing, you know, I, I completely get you on that because one of my most disliked films in all of cinematic history, I know it sounds hyperbolic, but no, this is how I feel, is an A24 film. And it's killing of a sacred deer. Ah, okay. I, to me, it was like drinking water. I, I felt nothing for anybody right. in this movie. Right. And at the end, there's no redempt. There's not a re- redemptive process. It's not even nihil- nihilistic because I didn't care in the beginning. You didn't build up the characters in order to destroy them. They were horrible from the beginning, horrible at the end. I don't care, you know. Um, But one film that I thought was great as far as A24 was Hereditary. Now, see, I, I would almost agree with you if there weren't some very polarizing things about that, too. Mm-hmm. So... For me, like, setting up one of your sympathetic characters, you know, see, now we're going to get into Spoilerville, but, uh... It's been out long enough. Say, the film's a year old, go ahead. (laughs) Yeah, you know, number one, I just didn't buy the the older brother. He -hmm. looked so completely out of the the norm for that family, Mm -hmm. as far as (laughs) look-wise. Mm-hmm. And maybe they're trying to do something stylistic with, like, trying to give you a hint that he's, you know, the chosen kookadoo of the, uh, right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> thing. Or, but also the little girl kind of making her, like, a little creepy and monstrous and whatever, you know. It's just, like, so many things there. I, don't get me wrong. I love Tony Collette. Yeah. I, I enjoy her work immensely. But I felt like she was... <laughs> 
in this morass of like just conf- uh, the whole thing was very I, I don't know just it, something about it was ho- hollow to me mm-hmm. you know it, it really was um, I don't know right. I'm then, probably then, somewhere like, in between the two of you Mm-hmm. I don't like it as much as Dino, but I like it more than you. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, I mean, I, I, I probably like it more than I'm letting on in certain respects, but, you know, my issue is sometimes I, I kind of latch on to, man, what could have been great about this film, mm-hmm. you know, kind of gets me too. And it just seems like sometimes I feel like whoever is like, pulling the strings on, on a certain production, like, they just don't wrestle with these concepts enough. You know what I mean? Right. Uh-huh. So and I, I think that's what bothers me more so, is that, it, you know, it, it's, for me, it's, eh, it's okay, but it could have been if they would have done certain other things. And, and I, sometimes I get trapped up in that. You know, and I'm not trying to sound like an egotist or whatever. It just, just you know, what kind of works with me, I guess. You know, it's right. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't poo poo anybody for loving the film, mm-hmm. but uh, but it, it does fall short for me. That's all I'm saying. Well, so sort of on along the lines of the question that Nino asked, being on the side of movies that you are, has it changed the way that you watch movies? Um, surprisingly, I don't think so. Uh, you know, when I was in drama class and stuff like that, um, you know, I was, I was actually taught by, uh, in Hofstra, I actually took more drama classes after high school. High school, both Dino and I learned under, uh, <laughs> Sal's academy. Yes. And, and we had some, we had some pretty good training in that respect. I you know I can't fault the man. Um, mm-hmm. It was very hard on his students. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I went you know I, I took uh, an acting class at Hofstra, and uh, Jonas Cohen was the teacher there. And I gotta say he knew his stuff. Um, and one thing that he always imparted, but uh, but was that whether or not the scene or, and or the characters were believable. Mm-hmm. And if you lose the believability, even in the most absurd circumstances, like, you know, I mean, even if it's the most ridiculous thing, like, oh, some crazy monster beast alien thing is coming after you, and, you know, we know that that's not true, you know, this monster beast doesn't exist, but with that suspension of disbelief, you know, if, it, you know, you know, the, the, let's say the protagonist pulls out a, you know, a potato gun and shoots the, the monster with a potato gun. We know it's farce. It's just ridiculous. There's no way that that, you know, anybody would do that with this, this creature coming after you. Right. So I feel like, you know, sometimes that they lose, like these, they, these films are so clever in a certain way. And it was funny. I was talking uh, about some of these ideas with a, a great filmmaker by the name of Matthew A. Brown. And he's a, a gentleman I worked on uh, his two of his films, uh, Albanian Gangster, mm-hmm. and he has a sequel to that, Albanian Gangster 2. He's currently uh, going around, uh, you know, 
doing festivals and stuff like that with uh, the first film. And, uh, but he and I were discussing some of the, you know, some, some of these films that they're, they're just too clever for, them, for their own good. Right. You know, they try to do things. They try to like, it's almost like they try to jam everything that they learn in, in filmmaking school to, you know, Oh, you know, they, they're, they're doing artsy fartsy, you know, got jangles, they're doing this, they're doing that, but we're losing the substance of, you know, do we believe these characters do we care? Right. Like you said, Dean. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uncomfortable silence. Right. So. There goes there goes that A twenty four. You know. Yeah. <laughs> we we can Back just in. have like weird like musical like cello strikes or something at, at the most odd places. You know, right. as the A24 films tend to do, you know. <laughs> but yeah, like... No, yeah. But like, like Robert Eggers and the, and the Witch, I thought that was that was pretty awesome. Yeah. I, I liked the way that he handled that whole thing. You know, and that was an A24 film, so you can't really... Yeah, no, I and I do. I, I, I enjoyed that film a lot more than I thought I would. I, I didn't think I was going to dislike it, but... You know, you, you have people that throw around the word now, you know, the new boasting is, oh, this is a slow burn, which to it's me just boring, equates yeah. to, well, there's character development, you know, right. and like, I've always said, you know, two of my favorite films are like The Breakfast Club and Twelve Angry Men, and neither of which would be made today without heavy, like, you know, shots of, like, exploding jury members or something like that. Because no one wants to sit and watch people talk for two hours. You know? Right, right. And, and Nobody about, has... uh, Glenn Gary Glenn... Yeah. Glenn Gary Glenn Ross. Right. Like, uh, yeah. you know... Everybody's used to listening to 12-second snippets of stuff. They don't want to hear long, drawn-out... Right. I'm saying long drawn out, not meaning it in a negative way. Yeah. But they no, don't I want they, they don't want to hear actual dialogue. Yeah, I everybody don't, wants to talk in titles now. Yeah, right. I, I don't think many David Mamet plays will be, you know, adapted to film now <laughs> anymore. <laughs> you know. <clears throat> but going back to what you were saying about you know, playing with the you know, in that suspension of disbelief. Have you seen the film Rubber? You know, I haven't. And the concept is ridiculous, and that's the point of the movie. It's a psychokinetic tire that blow, explodes people's heads. Right, right. And the whole point of the movie is we will accept anything in the movie because... We're supposed to. You know? So, somehow, I think now, everyone has, and this might be social media, this might be, you know, because now everybody has a voice. There's a podcast, there's a... YouTube channel, there's well, a... Well, known people make a podcast. <laughs> Come on. You know, 
There's YouTube with trailer reactions, analyzing everything. But, <laughs> but the fact that everyone has a voice now, every minute detail is being analyzed. And I think we're becoming too clever by half that we're forgetting right. how to have fun. I can, I can agree with that. You know? I mean, I mean, hey, listen, you know, uh, I mean, I can still watch, you know, as, as long as it, see, the, the problem also, I think, with some of the A24 stuff is that there's a certain pretension. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, it's like, oh, we're here to reinvent horror, or we're here to, you know, it's like right. that kind of weird, mm-hmm. uh, uncomfortable kind of, like, pretentious vibe that I sort of get from him. Yeah. Like, uh, I watched The Neon Demon. I know some people love that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, visually, stylistically, it's great. Um, but, you know, it's so... I mean, it reads like a fashionista's brain. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's not a very comfortable place to be. So, <laughs> for me, you know what I mean? It, like, I don't necessarily... doesn't do anything for me. Right. You know, it's... Uh, I don't know. Like, and I, I sort of get where they're coming from on a lot of things. And, but I think there's, there's a, a, a certain point where the rubber has to meet the road. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, for hard to be effective, not only does it have to have the creep out factor, like I said, uh, you know, kind of dealing with, uh, you know, a real danger to its characters that you like. But I think also, you know, there actually has to be uh, a visceral component to it in the sense that, like, you're going to see something that's going to affect you. Right. And, you know, like a lot of these things are just made up. I, I feel like, you know, in that kind of pretentious kind of, like, you know, film school kind of, environment where it's like okay you know we're gonna write these things and maybe we'll lead people down a path but if it doesn't that path doesn't actually go anywhere you know i think you know it's kind of a bad trick to play on your audience right in in a certain way well yeah and i think uh, um an issue with that is um is uh, how do i put this there seems to be a new thing where the horror is not, may or may not be real. It might be imaginary, it might be implied, it might be all in one's head. Um, because there's no concrete good and evil. So, the horror is our own horror of our own making, a perceived horror, if you will. You know? Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, you know, as opposed to something like The Exorcist, or, um, you know, any of the, the demonic things that deal with there is God, and there's the devil, and there's agents of good, and there's agents of evil... You know, so a lot of times you do need to kind of, well, I'm not saying we need to, but the filmmakers 
who kind of have a more abstract version of what horror is, can't have a concrete source of horror. Right. Right. I agree with you. I think you still have to know what right and wrong is mm-hmm. in your film, and that's what, you know, if you're going to play your characters into that gray area of, you know, at least we know that there's a tension there. As, you know what I mean? Like, like let's say this, this character is maybe becoming evil or something like that. There has to be enough for the audience to relate back to and say, you know what? this gray area that you've just put this character into, um, there is a good and an evil for us to compare it to. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that any of these things are are referencing, any of these movies, in a lot of ways, are referencing a a good and evil um, in that respect. Like, I'll give you a perfect example. Um, Rosemary's Baby. Mm Mm-hmm. We know straight out from, you know, a classical Judeo-Christian paradigm that the devil's evil and, you know, people who follow the devil, evil, all that. Right. We, we got that, that concept, the good and evil. We also know the goodness of bringing a child into the world, um, you know, in that particular situation. Now, mm-hmm. spoiler alert, uh, you may want to skip over this, <laughs> but I, I don't know two minutes, but so Rosemary's baby comes along and it's essentially a, uh, a demonic, you know, son of the devil, right? Antichrist. And, um, the, this, the horror isn't, it is partially in the fact that, okay, yes, this creature was made by like this quasi weird rape and all of these weird, you know, people, acculturating the mother into this sort of, you know, pregnancy and and helping her along in this pregnancy. That's creepy in in and of itself. But the fact that the mother is now, you know, knowing it's evil, uh, you know, evil incarnate, you know, there's this kind of weird gray area that the character's left in where she still loves her child. Right. She still wants to be a mother to her child. So, but, but with, you know, if we're outside of the context of, no, the devil, <laughs> demon spawn is not a good thing, if, we, if we're, we're devoid of that, and we just kind of lens everything through this postmodern kind of, you know, where everything, all reality is relative to the individual, then we kind of like just lose that sense of, of the horror of it. And I think that's what these, these modern films are trying to do is just kind of remove an objective morality out of, completely out of the film and just kind of just let you kind of flounder in this, you know, it's kind of a weird spot. Like, like even Hereditary is, like, weird in that respect. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you've got, like, this family who, you know, essentially witches or whatever they are, you know, like these worshippers of this... You know, but you don't know it. And, of course, the outsider, you know, uh, what's his name? Um, Irish actor who plays the father. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gabriel <clears throat> um, Byrne? Yes, yes. Yep. Um, so, 
Yeah, he's, you know, he's kind of like, kind of pushed out, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, he's, he doesn't really feel like a, a real presence in the family, mm-hmm. to me, I don't no. get that, anybody? No, and I had said that too, I said, he's supposed to be a psychologist, or psychiatrist, right. yet he's probably the worst psychiatrist, and... He was not very astute. He wasn't very astute, and he was just, okay, let's just go along to get along. Right. No. <laughs> you don't do that when your family is, is falling apart from the inside. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, one thing I was saying. Go ahead, I'm sorry. I, was saying, I mean, overall, though, what, you know, what you're saying is happening in these films. Looking at all those films and saying that's happening... Isn't that in and of itself speaking for what's happening in culture today, though? There is no yeah. right. There is no wrong. It's all, everything's relative. <coughs> so it, it's, all, it's almost just a reflection. That the way that they're making these movies is almost just a reflection of what's happening today. Well, I agree. I totally agree with you. But I also would contend the fact that crappy filmmaking is uh, essentially that reflection of a crappy society. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> right. So, yeah, I mean, totally. And, but, and to me, you know, a lot of this postmodern thinking is, isn't fulfilling in, you know, in my life, uh, you know, whether it's logically or spiritually. And um, I guess that's why a lot of these films are just not, not reaching me. Right. So, maybe that's my own failing or whatever, but, uh, is what it is. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I can, I can postulate and understand these things, but, you know, the resonance of, of actually getting it hit home. Right. Right. Ma- right. Making you feel something that, you know, you're still going to think of a week after seeing the film, something's going to go, oh, wait, oh, wow, you know, no, about two hours after you've seen it, you've forgotten what happened. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> Am I? Right. <laughs> <laughs> For example, like in Hereditary, if you would have made the uh, the girl character a little bit more sympathetic instead of, instead of super creepy, wouldn't that have been so much more effective? Mm-hmm. When she has her issue there? <laughs> I'll leave right. Put it that. Right. And... and like and it's two totally different movies, but something like um, what was it? A Quiet Place. Mm-hmm. You know, you have a girl roughly the same age. Um, no, she's not developmentally challenged, but she's uh, deaf. So, but. That is a sympathetic character. That is someone that you're you're with, and you want her. You know, you're 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 invested in this character. Right. Yeah. You know? I mean, you want to protect her. Yeah. You know, as as an you know, a, a normal non uh, narcissistic non uh, sociopathic <laughs> member of the audience. You know, yeah. <laughs> You know, you want to kind of help that character out. I mean, you you 
not only do you sympathize, I mean, in a certain sense, you know, sometimes if, you know, the director does his job, you're empathizing right. with the characters. You're actually taking on some of the, the problems that they're go- undergoing. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, empathy is important, I think, to reach that level. It's great if you can reach the level of sympathy, which I, I don't even think a lot of these films get to that level. Mm-hmm. So that you're you're kind of just like oh you know I feel bad for the character, but when you're actually living through the character's eyes, that empathy level, that's you know, I, I don't think we're getting that in a lot of films, right. and uh, quite in that respect. Yeah. 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 Um, Let's see. I, I I happen to like Bird Box though. Yeah, Bird Bird Box, right? Bird Box. Better than a quiet place. I think. I think Bird Box was uh, a little more character driven, but I didn't really like Sandra Bullock's character as much. Mm-hmm. Just personally, I mean, she was a little more complex. I would. I would say. Yeah. Than what, than what we're presented with. But that's you know. Still wish they would have kept okay. the original original ending in it, or the book. Oh, ending. see, I don't know about that. Yeah, I um, oh. forget where I'd read it. Oh, it was, yeah. Spoiler alert! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, the the um, written ending in the book is when they get to yeah. that sanctuary. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, well, it started out as a sanctu- you know, as, as a sanctuary for the blind. Everybody yeah. coming to that sanctuary in the book blinds themselves by removing their eyes. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that's how it was supposed to end. But they decided to go for a more theatrical... Yeah, yeah. Or, uh, I don't know, theatrical the right word? A little more... Uh, a palatable... A more, more palatable Hollywood ending, yeah. yeah Hollywood ending, okay, that, that's what I was looking right, for. Right, right. <laughs> well, that that would have been interesting mm-hmm. to keep that original ending. Yeah. Now, have um, you have you seen uh, House of the Devil? I have. Yes, I was, and because I think that kind of yeah, when it, when you had mentioned Rosemary's Baby before, that kind of reminded me of it. You know, with the whole fact of her becoming pregnant. Mm-hmm. You know, at the end, but I I felt that was a movie that I mean I really enjoyed that stylistically, musically. I was going to say stylistically, it's great. Yeah. I'm not so sure I enjoy the movie as a whole. No, but yeah, me uh, I don't know something about it. I I'm also not a not a big fan about like the bad guy always winning. Right. <laughs> yeah, and that seems to be a. a a newer trend, too, where, you know, they yeah. triumph. Or, even if good, even if bad dies, it dies for a, in order to become greater, you know. It kind of pulls an Obi-Wan. You know, evil becomes right, Obi-Wan, right. you know. Strike me down, now I'll become great. And, uh, you know, he, you can argue and say that's what the witch did. You right. know, she she gave herself in, you know, 
to Black Phillip and went and got naked and floated around. You know. Right. <laughs> but it was artistically done. <laughs> right. And the thing that freaks me out about that is that you you still had a sense of the moral absolutes in that, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What I think is interesting is that Eggers put people directly into this kind of gray area effectively, I have to say. He put the characters into a weird gray area by having them ostracized from their original community mm-hmm. right at the beginning. And For being was, too strict and being too moral. Right, <laughs> right which is interesting. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like I said, I think that's one of the few ones that really kind of worked for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, what were some of the other ones? Is it follows? Is that another A twenty four? Yeah, I believe so. I think so, right? So that one was like, man, this is just all sorts of spoilers and all this stuff, right? Yeah. Sorry. Well, Sorry that was just that. hipster horror. That one. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, it was like, yeah. I mean that 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 had some weirdness. Definitely weirdness. Do I feel on the whole I need my did it? It, it hit home? Bye. Probably not. Mm-hmm. More of that A24 style and above substance. Right. Now... Well, I'm going to get... Oh, is Michelle taking off? You had a question for me? Yes. So, um, so we're talking about all of these different... Uh, Dean and I are a couple of guys, but for you... I'm curious about your uh, take on some of the horror aspects of, like, we discussed, like, the Rosemary's Baby Dilemma, uh, and what was the other one? Uh, uh, Dean, help me out. The, the Witch? House of the Dead. Witch. The House yes, of the Dead. Yes, the House of the Dead, right. So more so House of the Dead and, and Rosemary's Baby. Okay, so how how it how I view it as a as a woman or yeah yeah well I mean how you view it is how you view it I would think you know the fact that you're a woman just adds to the fact and and a mother just adds to the fact of your experience with that kind of you know some of those ideas of like well, we're trying to, what I'm trying to ask is like the believability of it or the the yeah. You know, does does that work for you? What like the like as far as Rosemary's uh, Baby loving something that is that you recognize right. that you can recognize as evil? It's evil, yeah, yeah. Does it work for you? Yeah, it does. It does. Um, because I think no, you know, no. When you're looking at having a child, you're not uh-huh. guaranteed anything of how that child is going to be. Um, You know, I mean, you can try and do your best in raising them the way that you feel is right, Mm -hmm. but it's ultimately up to the child how they're going to live their life. So you're never guaranteed, you know, no matter what the situation is, you're never guaranteed of of who your child is going to be. So, yeah, I think there is the believability in it. Um, because it's, let's say, one of our three, actually, 
became a, a killer. Uh, became a murderer. I would still love them. I would not um, condone what they did. I would never um, uh, try and deny what they did. I would never try to justify what they did. But as uh-huh. a mother, I would still love them. Gotcha. Does that answer your? Does that answer what you're looking for? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess so. Yeah, I mean, it's. Um, I just wanted to make sure if it worked because it works for me. Like you know, at the horror of it works for me. Mm-hmm. In that sense, it's like, yeah, like wow, you know, this is your your baby, like, and like it just kind of hits me, you know. And I don't have to be. Me personally, I don't have to be female or have a baby, you know, but I'm actually able to, you know, you know, Polanski did his work in getting me past the sympathy to kind of get me to empathy, mm-hmm. right. which is pretty impressive, you know, because, you know, all the trappings of my maleness, you know, you're kind of like, wow, you know, this is your baby, this is, you know, how could you hate your baby and that's but yet you know the morality of the good versus evil is ever present in that particular story there's no candy coating it there's no graying that area right right well did you ever watch supernatural um no no okay well Um, there's one storyline later on in supernatural where lucifer Actually, after having um, uh, taken, what does he call them, meat suits? Yeah. <laughs> he calls them meat suits. Uh, having yeah. possessed somebody, he wound up impregnating a woman. So this was go- the baby was obviously the son of Lucifer. And it kind of plays on that whole thing, too. And, and she had to decide, you know, what did she want to do? Because she knew, she had found out shortly after she was pregnant who he actually was, that he was Lucifer. So she kind of had to make the choice, well, what am I going to do? Am I going to keep this baby or, you know? Well, she also knew that by giving birth to the baby, right. it would it would definitely kill her, Yeah, too. There, there wasn't a question. The birth of this child, carrying this child and the birth of this child would kill her. No. But all the way through... Um, and that was, you know, of course, being the type of pregnancy it was, it went, what, three weeks? Yeah. From, from beginning, you know, the pregnancy itself <laughs> uh, went like three, was like three weeks long. Oh, if only. But anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, she felt that because she was the mother, uh-huh. that there was somewhere in him where he could be a good person. Even though his father was Lucifer, because she was the mother, there's got to be somewhere, even if it's down in the dark recess, there's somewhere the good in her would be imparted to him. So it's like a nature versus nurture. Right. But even though half his nature is good. 
half is good and half is right. evil. So ultimately, in Supernatural, she decides to give birth to this child. And for the next two seasons, mm -hmm. two or three seasons, <coughs> it actually plays out. You know whether you know is he gonna is he gonna be good is he gonna be bad because along with the pregnancy being three weeks long, it only took yeah. him a matter of weeks to become a grown man. <laughs> of course, <laughs> yeah. So you know. So that, that being said, did um, did she? Because uh, I have to know now the spoiler of this. Um, did she die? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. She she died in childbirth. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And the main the main characters of Supernatural, uh, Sam and Dean and Castiel, the angel, they're the ones that raise this Lucifer's son. And like I said, the whole the next two seasons is kind of playing out as to, you know, is he is his good side gonna is this child's good side gonna win or is his bad side gonna win? And that's actually kind of the uh point of uh the new show coming on Prime, uh, Good Omen. Uh, yeah, Good Omen. Yeah. Oh, is that the one by the, um, the Terry Pratchett? Oh, okay. And Neil Gaiman. Yep. Yeah, I mean, cause I, I think I read that book about three or four times, you know, in the last decade. And I don't think you can open it anymore. If you open it, the pages <laughs> no, I think are the pages, yeah, <laughs> you know, but it's you know. Lucifer, or I'm sorry, the Antichrist is given to the wrong family, and it's, he's raised as a good kid. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I'm not sure how far the show is straying from the book, but the book was fantastic. Yeah, you know, you know kind of like Monty Python does the Book of Revelation. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Oh. But yeah, so I, I think on a lot of times the I, I can believe it. Basically is what we're getting at because I can I can see a mother knowing the possibilities but hoping and praying for the best. Mm, gotcha. Mm. Yeah. Now now for me <laughs> uh since I'm you know, <laughs> since I'm of a more uh, uh, Calvinistic bent mm -hmm. in my my beliefs, uh, I'd be hard pressed to to. I mean, well, number one, I wouldn't be able to know, you know, what God has preordained, you know, ordained for uh, that child. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, that's it's a it's a tough one there. It's like we do believe in predestination, though. <laughs> so, uh, hmm. <laughs> but I don't know. But even it, with that, if God has preordained or predestined for them to do something that's not what you would have them do, right. it's still somewhere in His plan. So He's right. got a purpose for it. <laughs> right. That's true. Right. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and that's definitely another topic that we can talk about at another time, because that would be, wow, but, um, actually, yeah, that can kind of segue, um, have you seen Exorcism of Emily Rose? 
Yes. Okay. Now, because I don't know... I can't remember it all that well, but I'm sure if you... But, you know, it's based on a case of uh, Annalise something. I forgot her name. Isn't it Michelle Annalise or Annalise Michelle? Yes. I remember Michelle being in there somewhere. Annalise Michelle (laughs) in Germany, right? Mm -hmm. Or something. And who were devoutly Catholic. Right. Right? And that whole thing. Now, I don't know what I feel about someone who, about a Christian being possessed by the devil. I don't, I don't know, you know, what, what she was, it was I, I, I don't have a opinion about that, you know. The movie, I think, is very fair in the way that it could have been possession or could have been, you know, mental illness. I, I think it weighed itself out pretty even-handedly, where you can make an argument on either side. Mm-hmm. Um, and you said Killian was starting to watch that the other day. Did yeah. he make it very far? Uh, he was starting to freak out on it. Um, Did he, I don't know how far he made it. He asked to take a break. <laughs> Can we take a break and we'll come back later? That's what I did the first time yeah. I tried to watch Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. I, I got through the whole beginning with the la- got to the lamb and, and and I'm like, okay, no, not ready. You can turn it off now. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. mm-hmm. funny. But, yeah, I'm not sure, but... And and they kind of played that up where where she felt that her possession was a cross her cross to bear in order for God's glory to be shown. Now I honestly don't think God works like that, but you know, judging you know. From what I've read in the scriptures, I don't think I found anything in that. That's how God works. No. But I could be missing something. I don't know. But then again, we I have mean, talked on, on a spiritual level. Huh? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. On a spiritual level, I mean, no. I mean, I don't think there's anything quite like that. Uh, on a physical level, I mean, one could kind of. You know, look to uh, to Paul with his thorn in his side. Right. Right? So, I mean, you know, we do all have our afflictions and everything else that we bear in life. But, you know, we as Christians are pointed to, you know, a release of those issues in our salvation and, and life with, with Christ you know, outside of this world. Right. So, I mean, that's how we as Christians are supposed to contextualize that kind of suffering and, and misery. And as much as, uh, you know, I mean, you can get into certain theological issues of whether or not, you know, some people consider Roman Catholicism Christianity. Right. Uh, even though it has the trappings of, of you know, Christian speak around it. I mean, the crux of salvation 
literally the crux uh, is is on Jesus. Right. You know. And in full disclosure, I mean, you and I were both raised Catholic. Yes. So yes. I want to be clear. It it's not like we're talking at a school or anything or against something that we, you know, we both, you know, went through our sacraments. We both made our confirmation. Yeah. Yeah. We both yeah, absolutely. grew up Italian Roman Catholic. Right. <laughs> See, I didn't, exactly. I didn't grow up with any belief system at all, honestly. Um, oh. my, my parents did not attend a church of any kind. Um, they weren't against religion. I never remember them speaking against it. <laughs> it just wasn't something... I mean, they baptized me when I was a baby, but that's because it was what you did. <laughs> Um, but I, th I think when I was younger, I attended my baptism, and I can remember one other time going to a church, hmm. and that was oh. it. And then I didn't start attending church until after I met Dino. Okay. So I was, oh. I was 25 when I started. Well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah. Well, you know, God has his plan, so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's interesting because you know in a situation like that <laughs> you know uh, I'm curious you know I mean like there are like I said there are number one in the reality of the situation we would have to kind of find <laughs> whether or not the uh, you know she was saved to begin with I right. think is the issue mm -hmm. and. Because salvation, you know, number one, it doesn't come from us. Right. Uh, that's the way, you know, the Bible reads. I mean, basically, if you go through Romans and, you know, it's basically God offers that as a gift of his grace. I mean, we're, you know, I've, I'm fully ensconced in the, uh, <laughs> in, in the, uh, you know, the solas and the, uh, and also the, you know, the, the five points of, you know, Tulip uh, paradigm. So, um, so I do believe in our total depravity aspect. You know, where I mean, we don't necessarily want salvation as sinners. You know, I mean, the idea of it, you know, is cool, but I mean, the actual trappings of okay, what do we, you know, what do we have to do by you know surrendering our lives and you know to Jesus Christ? You know, we're pretty anti. Antithetical to that, um, you know, without without the calling of God's grace upon us, you know. So at any rate, um, but yeah, I mean, look, thinking back to the beginning of beginnings of um, the movie, because um, yeah. from what I'm understanding and what, because I've read a lot of the um, like articles and everything, not just on the movie, but on Annalise herself. And it does almost seem like she was questioning, and I think that, and I think that even does come up in the movie at one point mm -hmm. that she felt responsible for everything that happened because she was questioning her beliefs. Right. And I think that's part of why she did leave, because they like said her parents did kind of separate them, and then. Almost along, the, oh. almost along the styles of which mm -hmm. her, her the, the family did not live in near town. They 
right. lived outside of town by themselves. They were somewhat self-sufficient. Um, uh-huh. You know, so they had pulled the whole family away. And I think on some level she was rebelling against that. And that's why she even left the house to go to college. Mm-hmm. If I remember correctly, the parents did not want her right. to do they that. They definitely weren't happy about it. They allowed her to do it, but they didn't want to. So I think that, you know, um, and she admits at one point that she was questioning her faith. And I'm wondering if that, you know, you're talking about, well, we don't know if she was saved. I don't think we can know if anybody's saved. That's not for us to know. That's between that person and, and God. God is ultimately the only one who will be, you know, who will declare somebody saved, right. saved or not. I, I, but, I will say that biblically speaking, though, we, we are... You know, uh, you know, we're, we're basically it, we're, it is it's written that we're known, or you know, by our fruits. Right, right. You know, uh, an apple tree is an apple tree because it's bearing apples, and not oranges. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. So I mean, there's some sort of area where we can, you know, have an I- idea, but mm-hmm. do we know the final delineation of of good, you know, right, the, right. The sal- salvific, you know state probably not i mean right except for ourselves right well see i mean and, and that's what we're, i'm saying kind of getting at is somebody in that in her situation where she was questioning you well, know she may not necessarily have been showing fruits for anybody outside to know what her fruits were right. because she herself right. was internally questioning so, you know, so we don't know what state she was in or what situation she would have she would have been in just to know whether she could or to whether what am I trying to bring it to? I, I think, you know, you had said, well, can a Christian even be possessed? Right. Well, at that point, we don't know where her questioning had led her to what, you know, right. whether, and, and whether not she was that, a Christian. Right. Not that questioning itself. Right is right. is wrong or sinful. I mean, we're supposed to, you know, right. validate our faith. We're, we're, I mean, or or right. take a an inventory, you know, mm-hmm. and audit our, our mm-hmm. faith, you know. And mm-hmm. if if it's important to know what you believe, but it's also important to know why you believe it. So believing something yes. just for the sake of it. Does nobody any good? You need to know why you believe. So yes, question your question your doctrine, question your faith, question what you believe if it lines up. Mm-hmm. You know, God's a big God; He can handle. He can questions. handle. A, I mean, the entire <laughs> book of of Psalms is is David moaning and whining and and and, and questioning. <laughs> You know, right. <laughs> he can. Well, but here's, now here's my my here's my weird, maybe a little bit slightly conspiratorial take on this whole situation. Though. So we're watching a film that's basically produced under the auspices of a system that is pretty satanic. <laughs> okay. Right, Hollywood. Okay. So you know, they, I mean, and I don't necessarily mean that in you know. You know, I, I, I'm not saying that all, you know, there aren't good films that come out that are not, not that way or whatever. But, I mean, there's so many creepy, worldly things that are going on, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, in that particular venue. And maybe I'm shooting myself in the foot here, 
as a special effects artist trying to operate in this, you know, particular milieu, so to speak. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's there's a lot of creepy, weird stuff that goes on in this particular industry. And, you know, the question that I ask is, okay, so does this film make us rather more comfortable in believing our faith blindly and thereby, like us as the, the audience, mm-hmm. and thereby actually blinding us to the possibility of truth outside of our own personal convictions. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put you on that one a bit. Right, because it's a situation where we have a character that she has very certain, you know, specific beliefs, mm-hmm. and they may line up with they line up with Roman Catholicism, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're basically being told that she questioned her Roman Catholicism, and then that's why she's possessed. Right. Right. So are they telling us not to question, and you know? Right. Roman Catholicism, which in in turn, for me as a non-Catholic, non-Roman Catholic, I should say. Uh, I'm a Catholic, but not Roman Catholic. That's different. So, Catholic meaning universal church. Right, Christ. yeah. Um, and not a do- denomination calling itself the universal church of Christ. Right. But at any rate, um, you know, for me, that question is like, you know, it's basically saying, you know, don't question your Catholicism <laughs> in a certain sense. You'd be holding to that particular ideas, and for me, looking on the outside of this film, I know that, you know, my salvation is from Jesus Christ, and my faith in him, and repentance, and and trusting on Christ, not on, you know, all the works that are, as Paul put it, you know, but dirty rags, right? you know, before the Lord, you know what I mean? It's like... You know, Christ did everything, accomplished everything in, you know, paying for our sins and, you know, so I have to look at a film like that, which kind of gives a weird, like, you know, that it's like, it's almost giving power to doubt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's giving, and, and for me, that's kind of a theologically, theologically unacceptable. So, it's like one of those things where what I want without somebody understanding that we have a greater life in, in Christ than we do in the faith of, and the doctrines of men, you know, it's, uh, it gets a little, you know, I guess investing mm-hmm. completely in that story for me is, is probably not as, like, I can't really invest in that story as much because I know that the paradigm that we're working on right from the, the onset of the film is a little off. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but in the contextualization of if we believe in this character and we follow what this character is doing, yeah, there, there's a horror in that, but, like, for me, it, it maybe kind of ruins the heart because I'm, mm-hmm. you know, a little bit removed from it. 
I mean, that's sort of along the lines of what I told you at one time. Mm-hmm. That did um, the movie didn't scare me. It was it a scary movie? Mm-hmm. I said it could be, but it didn't mm-hmm. scare me because it's not something that I can relate to because I have a piece because I've got Jesus. Right. Right. So okay. it's not a horror movie to me because it's not something that I'm ever going to have to right. contend think, with or yeah, deal with. Yeah, we've mentioned it in our first episode. Might be, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I know I talked about it at some point. Yep. Couldn't remember if it was on a pad- podcast or not. But, yep. but yeah, so it, in that aspect, it wasn't scary for me. <laughs> right, right. Right. So, which I think is funny, like, so many of these movies are like, you know, like the Insidious movies mm-hmm. and stuff like that, are like, why are we traveling to a quasi-spiritual realm, and like, what are, what are we doing here, <laughs> you know, like some of these characters, but, uh, yeah, it's, but it's interesting, you know, I mean, as far as the movies go, they're interesting, yeah. mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, but then again, like, a movie like Insidious doesn't necessarily give you a pause, like, there's the whole thing is gray, right? Right. Like the whole outlook of spirituality is gray in right. the film. There's no, you know, we really shouldn't be doing this, or you know, because there are bad things out there, mm-hmm. or we should do this because you know, there's none of that. There's like, well, they're just all these different beings, like in this spirit, you know, this the shadow world, and that uh, we can, con- you know, conduct ourselves into by use of a medium. I'm like, okay. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like no. So part of me is like nope, nope. But, uh, See, and that's the big difference between the Insidious films and the Conjuring universe, because that's obviously real, because that's based on true events, <laughs> and the and and the happenings right. of the Warren family. Right. Please note, sir. Nice. <laughs> You know what's funny about that? So, oh, here's another thing. So, do you remember um, Deliver Us from Evil, I think it is? Yeah. It's the, the Ralph Sarchi, the guy who's the uh, the New York City, whatever he is, yeah. investigator. The one with Eric Banner. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. So, I'm, I, I just purchased that as an audiobook to listen to. I actually have the <laughs> Kindle uh, version of it, of his like, stories or whatever, but he comes from a very specific Roman, you know, Catholic kind of idea mm-hmm. of this, you know, so I'm, I'm curious as to how that's going to play out, mm-hmm. uh, reading that, and actually in this, at this point, you know, I, I did the, uh, one cool thing about Kindle is that when you buy something, sometimes if there's an audiobook that's related to it or whatever, it, they'll give it to you at a cheaper price, mm-hmm. you know, through Audible. Right. And um, they call it, I think they call it Matchbook or something like that, mm-hmm. the, the Matchbook program. They're matching the books. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So, yeah, so I haven't been able to, like, actually just sit down and read a nice book. So I do a lot of stuff through audiobooks now. Right. But uh, but I'm curious to, to see exactly how he approaches his, you know, warfare, demonic warfare. Right. Is it, it's, I don't know. I mean, it's not, and it's not to say that, you know, demonic warfare is, you know, spiritual warfare isn't a real thing. Mm-hmm. That's that's the other thing, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Because, hey, listen, Christ, you know, 
he exercised demons straight up. Yeah. You know, you know there are these aspects that, uh, but it's 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 interesting, mm-hmm. kind of like where culturally also we're at mm-hmm. in relation to how these films kind of play out. Right. I mean, Let's see, listening to yeah. a lot of what you're saying, I'm going to tell you to go back and watch Supernatural. I think you'd I think you'd enjoy it. you gotta catch it from the beginning it's actually um, season 15 is in production and it's the last season wow they're they're closing it out now you want me to emotionally invest (laughs) 15 years of hey we've binge watched what because we didn't start watching it until season 10 yeah so we binge watched up oh through season ten, uh, up through season nine, so we can pick it up with ten when it came out, because we wow. see something that we wanted to. Yeah. But there's a lot of fun little twists and turns where you're just kind of you know because it that you meet God, mm-hmm. you meet the angels and how all the angels work and oh. there's definitely demon warfare and. <laughs> I mean. Lucifer has a baby, and yeah, it's a lot of interesting stuff. <laughs> but so, yeah, no, so like, you know, like you were saying, you know, that I think, uh, you know, C.S. Lewis uh, said in the beginning of the screw tape letters that people normally make two giant mistakes when it comes to dealing with spiritual you know, devils and, and the spiritual, I'm paraphrasing it, and one is to make light of it that never happens, and another one is, you know, to look for a demon under every bed, and in every right, pew, right. you know, mm-hmm. and so, you know, if, if you believe the Bible, then you believe demons, you believe, I mean, it's there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, and we've talked several times about how I, you know, one of my issues that I deal with a lot in the in the debates that I have is the over spiritualization that that I think we see in a lot a lot today in certain sects of sects of Christianity. Right. Yeah, where you know. If 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 we disagree with something, oh, you've got a spirit of disagreement. No, uh, I just don't. Yeah. Look at something the way you do. You right. know. Oh, you you've got a, a spirit of, you know, anger. Well, no, I just might be having a bad day. Right. You know, or you might be a moron, and <laughs> you might have a spirit of stupidity. <laughs> right. It's possible. Going by what you, you know. <laughs> I, I think that's more so in the charismatic camps yeah. that you get a lot of those rifts of division. Right. Um, Which is where we I, kind of came, you know. When I got saved, I got saved uh, Assembly of God at the height of, you know, the Brownsville revival. So, okay. you know, you were getting slapped in the head and blown on and you know, everything, you know, and then, the spirit stuff. Oh, yeah, and then, not, and 
hear what I'm saying. Don't hear what I'm not saying. I believe it. The Holy Spirit works. Just not rolling on the floor laughing. I, I don't see right. where that's fruitful. Mm -hmm. But yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, I, you know, <laughs> go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, uh, if you ever check out uh, the John MacArthur conference, that uh, mm -hmm. uh, the uh, oh my goodness, my brain's failing me at this hour. But um, where they, it's called Strange Fire. Mm -hmm. uh, they kind of get into all of these uh, matters, of, you know, in a scriptural way, kind of refer back to exactly what's being you know, what's going on at some of these revivals and whatever else, you know, mm -hmm. um, and whether or not it's biblical, you know. Mm -hmm. Strange Fire actually, you know, I mean, it's, uh, it's refers to a, a biblical account of where, you know, two particular characters, um, and I'll let you guys read it and get into it, but uh, they call down as an offering to the Lord, uh, you know, essentially this this strange fire from the sky and, and all this stuff as as a positive thing for the Lord, but it wasn't in the way that the Lord wanted to be worshipped and praised. So he wound up destroying them because they were doing something specifically against what he required. Mm -hmm. And uh, by calling upon this strange fire and whatever else. So I, I, I'm paraphrasing, of course, but... Uh, uh, you know, it's. I think we have to meet God where God, you know, wants to meet us. Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 So, we, we, but yeah, all this, the spirit. You know, you've got the spirit of this and that, and like. Uh, we, I can't be <laughs> Dino and I, or it, it started with me. Um, there's this. We've we've talked about this Facebook page quite often. Uh, on this podcast it's uh called crosswalk on facebook okay. and um long story short uh, i have a lot of discussions about the nature of hell and what hell is and, and what is the ultimate fate of the unrepentant and there was this guy who several months ago just started getting into it with me and it got really bad pretty quickly, I'd say, yeah. within like two or three weeks. And I just started noticing that he would bring up like conversations from a while ago. And I had this feeling that he was like copying and pasting our entire conversations. It just was like this really weird feeling I was getting off of him. So eventually what I wound up doing was I wound up having to block him um, just because okay. he got really nasty. He's he's one of the one of the people I think we had mentioned to you pre-show about. Um, he's one of the people that would call us heretics. Uh, he's one of the people that called me a daughter of Satan and all this other stuff. So I wound up having to block him. And essentially all it was is just a difference of opinion on a couple of things. Michelle actually was Rosemary's baby. Did, did he say no. No. no? Okay, I'm like, wait a minute, I don't remember him telling me that. No. <laughs> but, but, you know, so I wound up having to block him. Well, then, you know, now it's several months later, 
and I'm, I'm not caring about them because I've blocked them, whatever. And I don't like doing that, especially on Christian sites, because I think we need to try and do our best to be decent to each other, to even right. if we disagree on something, let's find the things that we can agree on and let's kind of move from there, especially when we're talking about issues that are not salvation issues. Oh. So I started seeing people like strangers say, no, I don't know who Michelle is. And, and no, I'm not her disciple. So I'm like, huh? What? He was literally going around, like, if somebody had a similar opinion to me, he was so, this is months later, months after I blocked him, so I should not be anywhere on his radar. He was asking people who had similar beliefs to me whether they were my disciple or not, and now telling them how they were heretics and how they were children of Satan. So I finally got some advice from some people, and they told me to unblock him. Right. Just to, you know, because to keep an eye on what he was saying, even if I never replied to him again, just unblock him so I know what's going on and in, in, in that way. So I have, but now it's, what, almost a week since mm-hmm. I've unblocked him? And he insists that the Bible teaches that we need to be angry. Not just that we need to discuss or but that we need to be angry and call people names if they don't agree with us because that's what Jesus would do. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> um, <laughs> wow. So when the, uh, the harlot um, was going to be stoned, I don't remember him like calling her like, you know, any bad names like whore and harlot <laughs> Blah blah blah, you know. But yeah, and he, and he got he actually you know, this guy references. I, well, what he references is he references when Jesus would get on the Pharisees about being legalistic. Uh, okay, whitewashed tombs and stuff. Whitewashed yeah. tombs, um, brood of vipers, and things vipers. like that. So now, he, now he's gotten it in his head, and he's gotten this idea that when people disagree with what he believes the Bible says, that automatically means that you're lying because you don't understand it the same way he does. It means that you are a a false teacher, you're a liar, and that automatically gives him permission to call you names and to act in an angry manner towards you because that's how Jesus acted towards the Pharisees. So he's playing the altar Christus for the world. Mm-hmm. He's right. basically the, the, the other Christ yeah. Yeah. Well, he, that is all-knowing. Yeah, he actually called himself the ambassador of Christ. Yeah. Wow. That, He's that, a kook. Yeah, that's what he called himself. And then, because we had some friends step in, they kind of saw what he was what he was doing, both uh, to me and Dino. And we had some friends of ours kind of step into these conversations, and, and they've kind of taken them over. And they're now kind of going to the point where they're, Every time he says something negative, he comes back and he goes, I-, I forgive you for calling me names and this and that. I'm praying for you. So now this guy has taken to calling them sinning for praying for him. Yeah. Because, <laughs> wow. Yeah, because he, he's saying, oh, so you, you're, you're praying for me. So evidently, you know what's in my mind. And now you're being 
the, he calls them faux, faux omniscient. Faux, um, yeah. Faux omniscient. I would just be like, I'm just judging you by your fruit. Yeah. And that's very, that's pretty much what he, and that's pretty much what they're saying is you know no we're just going by what we read you say. Yeah. Right. And, right. I mean, but yeah, it's I don't know why we went down this yeah. whole tangent, but it's we absurd. did, and and it, it's just. Sorry guys. Because we do that. Uh, <laughs> it's absurd. Um, it is. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that's that. So well, um. I'd segue, but how else are we gonna do it? Uh, you've you've got a website with your art and stuff up on there. You, yeah, yeah. It's uh, evocativeworkshop.com. Okay. Talking about that one? Yeah. Yes. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. Cause I wanted to give you an opportunity to plug yourself. Thank that, you. That you shut yourself in the foot and. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's good, it's good times. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Don't worry. My, my our, our viewership is not that big yet, so you might still be okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I'll give, give it a couple months. All right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the, uh, the Evocative <laughs> Workshop is my company. Uh, you know, it's... Uh, the tagline is special effects, makeup, uh, creature creation, and audiovisual design and direction. And, uh, yeah, so basically we can do uh, everything from, you know, physical, it's, you know, mainly based in physical stuff. So that would be, uh, you know, makeup and uh, puppet, you know, animatronics, and, uh, which is a little more advanced form of puppetry. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah, the audiovisual stuff is, uh, you know, we could, you know, direct films and, and uh, you know, uh, design a film, do production design, art direction, uh, pre-production kind of work. And, um, and, yeah, that's kind of what we kind of revolve around for the motion picture, uh, and uh, television industries mainly. Uh, we also do theatrical, but okay. yeah. I was just gonna ask. I was just so, gonna ask you if you do anything for theaters or is it all film? Oh yeah, no. We've actually, um, uh, myself personally, I've actually gone and uh, I've done some work for uh, theme parks and such. Oh, very um, cool. With you know, yeah, being sub, you know, subcontract to another company. Oh, cool. Worked on stuff for uh, Universal Studios and and uh, Nintendo World, oh. which is kind of interesting. Hmm. Yeah, some pretty neat. Um, but yeah, 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 it's pretty. Uh, I'm all over the place, you know. I've designed war memorials. I've, you know, you know, worked with other artists on uh, like public art. That. The one guy, which is kind of interesting, uh, that I worked with years ago, we, used, we did some found art uh, cars. We glued a whole bunch of stuff to. Excuse me for know. one minute, Ralph. You know Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood when they have the, the trolley tra that goes through the land of make-believe? Yeah. Well, we have a freight train that goes through our neighborhood. And <laughs> probably every, what? Fourth, third or fourth podcast we do, we have this train that comes through. 
And there nice. it goes. Yeah, we, we live right by the intersection, so they've got to blow the horn the entire time. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and it, it's so close to our house that we don't have any pictures that are straight up and down. They all lean to the side. And I've just got tired of making them straight. I just let them lean. <laughs> wow. You just gotta, you know, just gotta keep rolling and, and this way the whole thing will just, you know, yeah. sit right around and turn itself straight. But when we're so used to the train going through, you can actually feel it on the ground. You can feel the house shake. That when we had an earthquake, we thought it was just a silent train. <laughs> Oh, wow. <laughs> yep. I didn't think we had earthquakes here in South Carolina, but apparently we do. <laughs> Yikes. A couple of years back, uh, maybe a few years back, we, uh, yeah, a few years back, we, we had an earthquake up here in pretty, pretty wild. You just yeah. feel the, uh, the floor kind of shift under you. Hmm. Oh. Pretty scary stuff. Yeah. Sitting yeah. at the time. Yeah. But uh, that was pretty weird. All right. Well, all right. Oh, do, we have, do we have any other questions or? Mm. No, I think we 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 covered a lot. <laughs> this is going to be a fun edit. Um, <laughs> but somehow we we we're gonna fit almost all this in here. Oh, we will. So yeah. This well, yeah. Be, take the break out and all that. This will be a nice hearty episode for people. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice editing and whatnot. Yep, yep. Got on that one. But yeah, and we'll you know put uh, links to your website and everything up, and I appreciate it. All that, and mm-hmm. we'll, we'll we'll promote you and everything else. Ralph, thank you very much for hanging out. Appreciate thank it. Thank you guys. Okay, I want to thank Ralph from the Evocative Workshop for sitting down with us. Go to his website, evocativeworkshop.com. Go to the Facebook page and like his stuff. want to thank you guys for listening. We love y'all. Be decent to each other. Peace. Gary Ali Productions.